0: Welcome to Rewilding Work, I'm Paul Miller. Rewilding Work captures stories and examples of how senior leaders and changemakers are transforming the world of work across their organisations. So what is an AI-first CEO and what does AI leadership look like in practice? Well, to answer these questions, my guest today is exceptional, and I am so excited to have her on the show. Pamela Maynard has been CEO of Avenard since 2019. Avenard is a joint venture between Microsoft and Accenture and is a leading digital innovator on the Microsoft ecosystem. Pamela leads a global team of more than 60,000 employees and her path to the top of Avenard has been steady. She ran Avonard UK, then became the Europe Area President across 13 countries. She serves on the boards of the Royal Horticultural Society and the Junior Achievement Worldwide. We talked just after the world's first AI Security Summit held at Bletchley Park, iconic home of the World War II Codebreakers. And the conversation between British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Elon Musk was all about navigating and preparing for an AI-led world. A summit, Pamela mentions, a timely coincidence. Do subscribe to the DWG channel so you get alerted about each new episode. And now for Pamela Maynard. So, um Pam, what does it mean to be an AI first CEO? Because I love that expression and I'm really intrigued to hear what what you think that means.
1: Yeah, and it's um it's a fantastic question and one Definitely that's front of mind, given everything that's been happening in the UK this week around the Bletchley Park Summit and that Mm -hmm. gathering of international and global leaders. Um, It really does uh, does make one reflect. And I've seen, like you have, Paul, a huge amount of technology innovation in my lifetime and definitely, definitely across the years that I have been following my career in technology but it's absolutely Mm -hmm. no comparison to what we're seeing now in terms of the genuine human impact uh, that I believe, and I'm certain you and many of your listeners watchers would believe in terms of what AI will have in terms of the months and years to come. Uh, Mm -hmm. CEOs, again, as you know, know, set the tone for successful organisations and how we should be thinking about embracing AI. And so, When I think about being an AI first CEO, for me, it absolutely sets with starting that company wide AI strategy establishing and thinking about how I can establish AI fluency in the organization, how I can build that culture of trust. Again, we've heard a lot about trust and transparency this week in the world of AI and therefore have that underpinning and responsible AI framework. And that Mm. started for me in terms of appointing um, a global chief AI officer uh, for Mm. Avalbard, which I from what I've seen with conversations with others, that is, you know, um a first. There aren't many organizations mm. out there who have done that. Um, and given him the responsibility of really leading and executing a global AI strategy. You know, Florence had mm. over 150 conversations with our clients in and you know across just the first six weeks, which again wow. shows the yeah, again shows that kind of interest in this topic. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, we've been working with many clients as well uh, in terms of helping them. So, for example, page group, the recruiters, which I'm certain you've heard about, you know, helping mm-hmm. them to leverage as your open ai to create a better experience for job seekers but you know ai first means prioritizing your people helping them to have mm. the skills that they need helping them to identify where ai can be used and used in a responsible way across their day-to-day work to improve efficiency creativity and have impact um and so it's you know Oh, yeah. Clearly, being a technology organisation, we're really keen to harness AI, both in terms of the services we deliver for clients, but how we operate. Um, but we've got to do that in a way that puts people first.
0: Yeah, and and then that's great. And thank you for mentioning um, Florin Rotar, who I, I, you know, as you as you know, I know him well. And I thought it was amazing to see that he was your chief AI officer. I think when I, AI sort of started arriving in force at the end of. 2022, experientially, um, I, I thought organizations will put C-suite people in charge of AI. And and I think the way you've put it is that AI is a, a support, an enabler, uh, almost like a characteristic of a CEO and a, a leader. Um, so, how can AI be an opportunity to disrupt the ways of working that that don't serve us? Uh, and do you have any Avenard examples? Because I'm always interested in how how can AI help us rather than sort of defeat us or subjugate us?
1: Yeah, and again, how relevant given some of the conversations that we've heard over the past week? And I'm in the same. You know, same uh, all part, same park as you. Around thinking, how can we use AI to help us? Um, and from that perspective, you know, do we want to be disrupted, or do we want to be the disruptors? Right? Because that's again from a technology industry perspective, that's our choice. Um, yeah. And very much for me, as the CEO of Avanade, what I've said to my team is, let's look at how we can use AI to disrupt what we do and disrupt the norms. And so we've launched a program called Disrupt Avenard. It's an internal mm-hmm. program uh, with cross-functional teams collaborating across the business oh, to identify yeah. opportunities where we can use AI to disrupt and transform every single aspect of how we work. We're currently experimenting and piloting with around 13 use cases across the organization. And in just three months, Our people have generated over three hundred ideas, Paul, across different functions, including HR, operations, legal. And, of course, engineering um, you know, in terms of how we might be able to use AI. So you know, one of those examples, to answer your question, is in our HR function and in particular around talent acquisition. As you know, we hire many people. Um, and typically our TA people spend tons and tons of time curating content and using that to build job postings, a very manual process. But by harnessing generative AI, that type team can create job descriptions in our tone of voice um, Mm. whilst also maintaining the flexibility to alter them as needed but you know kind of get that starter going using AI that's helping them to save time in the manual processes and enabling them to focus on the value add of continuing to attract that diverse talent which is so important to to Avenard. right so Mm. that's just one
0: example. Just out of interest I mean when did do you kind of decide that AI had to be sort of front and center for Avenard, because obviously AI' has been around for for decades in one form or another, and then when Chat GPT arrived, you know I' would got my daughter saying, "God, look look what it can do with my thesis. This is amazing. You know there's this thing called AI I mean when when did it, when did you make that sort of decision that Avenard needed to put it front and center in this way?
1: Well, we've been working with AI for many years. Mm. And this is one of the things that, um, you know, we talk about to our clients as well, because there is no one size fits all when it comes to AI. It isn't all about generative AI. Um, there are many different AI disciplines. And so we've been working with it for with, for, for many years. Um, I really feel that the momentum has picked up and has been catalyzed mm. by Generative AI, and we have mm. been involved since 2018, um, really in working you know, with Microsoft around mm. where Microsoft might be going, um, and learning and understanding that uh, in terms of um, you know, you know, really working alongside Microsoft. And then, of course, you know, when Microsoft made the big investment with OpenAI, um, mm. yeah. you know, again that sort of picked up our momentum and the way in which we worked with it in the whole space of generative. AI. So it's something, it's a discipline that we've been developing in the business for many years. But really, I've seen the momentum. Really, I was pick up across 2018 and then into Mm. um, 2020
0: and beyond. That's great. I mean, and I think one of the differences when I think of this this particular wave of technological transformation is that there's a lot more thought. I mean, you mentioned the Bletchley Bletchley Park Summit this week around safety and protocols, and there's a lot more concern about ethics and AI. So why is it necessary for organizations to implement what I'd call ethical AI guardrails?
1: Yeah, and I mean, there is so much research, um, you know, that shows that There's a lot of doubt and there's that lack of trust and Mm. um, the fact, as you say, that people don't feel safe and concern about how humans will behave with AI. A lot of fear mongering again this week um, in the press around this whole, around the Bletchley Park event. But that's why we must keep uh, responsibility, trust, transparency as non negotiables and front of mind in an AI first world and look to minimize bias and discrimination. Um, One of the reasons, from my perspective, is I just don't believe the regulation is going to be able to keep up with the pace of technology, the pace of development. And so it's on us as leaders, and I really do feel that, um, to have responsibility um, built into guardrails, yeah, as you mm-hmm. say. We've, yeah, as you have you know, Avenard being um, created by Microsoft and Accenture. So we've been collaborating with both of those organizations to formalize frameworks as to how we will engage with AI, how we prioritize. Ethical and responsible practices. So, we've mm. created our first ever responsible AI policy that became that came right. out, um, effective on the first of this month, first of October, um, and includes guiding principles that are rooted in our own purpose and values. And I think that's the other opportunity here: how can you use those frameworks to bring to life or to, to continue to enforce? You know, your purpose mm-hmm. and your values as a, as an organization. Um, and to also therefore help you to, or help to reflect how you want to show up in an AI first world, um, as generative AI evolves, our responsible AI framework mm-hmm. will continue to evolve as well. And I think that's really important. It's not just about setting the guardrails here and expecting them to stay here. You also also go into this with an understanding that you're going to need to continue re- to review your guardrails, mm-hmm. um, as the technology continues to evolve mm-hmm. um, and we're also helping our clients to understand it and working with our clients to understand it and understand how their responsible AI frameworks need to be implemented and how we can get them ready for AI as well mm-hmm. within those guardrails.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's, it's, to me, it's really exciting to see that this technological change is having this much more mature Kind of thinking around it that that actually because i feel like we wandered into social media with a kind of naive optimism that you know or we'll connect people that's a good thing isn't it and and then you you kind of are faced with the implications of that good and bad but i feel that there is a greater maturity going into this maybe we appreciate that it's got a deeper significance than than we sort of there's a certain level that we understand AI and there's most of it we don't and we can't quite imagine where it's going to go. So I think what can we influence and control? Um, so, I mean, you've led a charge and you mentioned this, uh, Pam, on diversity and bias in AI. What does that actually mean in practice?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. And as you say, one of my passions is, you know, how can I... you know work with others to create a more inclusive and diverse technology industry because for me diversity is key to innovation Paul, absolutely key and I do believe that you know difference makes you powerful you know it allows you to see problems from a different angle to see opportunities in a different way. And, and that's where true innovation can really come from. So as we enter this world of AI in a much more assertive way, um, you know we need to make sure that you know, we're harnessing those different perspectives um, in this AI world, right? You know, ensuring that you know, the percentage of developers building AI solutions and models, is different you know is diverse and it's not just representing one ethnicity one gender or one age group um, because then the risk of bias and discrimination inside those AI models you know and those future iterations is just too great you know, so for example you know when bias seeps into AI um, you know we'll see predictive algorithms you know for example that might be used in policing um, that disproportionately will target communities of color or generative models that you know don't actually function as well when someone's maybe speaking with a different accent. Um, and so it's really really important that we you know again as we consider how we're developing um, and gener- generative AI that we do have diverse teams um, mm. cr- not just creating the models but also tuning the models and also looking at the results. That's the other piece that's really critically important. So we can go, you know, we can watch for bias in that way. Um, you know, we we see bias embedded across society. I mean, obviously we do. Um, and one of the sectors that we work uh, with a lot is in financial services. Um, and in the UK, you know, just think about it. How many women who look like me, so black female founders, actually receive VC funding from and 2009 to to 2019, across that 10 years, only Hmm. 10, Hmm. right, only 10. So that's less than 1% um, is going to women overall, um, 0.02%. um, went to black women um, in a decade in the US that you know black women are the fastest growing um, group of founders and entrepreneurs um, mm-hmm. more than doubling between 2014 and 2019 but despite that they face horrendous roadblocks and bias in terms of actually getting access to funding and it, to be able to plug the wealth gap it's going to take 200 years. Now, how do I know so much about that? That's because you know, this is one of the problems that we're working with a non-profit called Prosperity Now trying to help to solve um, and you know, helping them to create uh, what we're calling a credit box, which systematically uh, systemizes the, um, or looks at the algorithm that's analyzing risk and looks at the opportunity to you know, adjust that algorithm to create a, a more equitable access to funding and funding decisions. And I see AI playing a really big role in those solving those sorts of problems, um, which can help us to create a much more inclusive world.
0: That's that's great. I mean, and we, we, you know, we started talking about AI first, CEO. Um, What will AI mean, do you think, for leadership generally in the next few years? I mean, how will it be changed or even transformed, do you think?
1: Yeah, um, I think, you know, AI, from a leadership perspective, leaders have to have have to keep our minds open about, you know, how AI can and should be used. AI isn't perfect, we all know that, we've just been talking about bias, Um, and there's going to continue to be innovation, again, we've touched on that, uh, to address the shortcomings and also improve the strengths of AI. Um, But strong leadership is going to be required to get it right. No, it really is and that's yeah. You know, we need to bear that in mind you know as leaders but uh, we've just launched um, an AI readiness research report which I'm certain you would love to see if you haven't seen it already Paul I know that you love reading new pieces of research and you know we we actually that research harnesses insight from over 3,000 business and IT leaders from around mm-hmm. the world Um, And 92% of them agreed that they needed to shift their organizations to uh, AI in the next 12 months or so. But also in thinking about that, you know, they, if you like, three key um, highlights um, in terms of what's front of mind for those leaders as they shift. Uh, The first is about putting people first. Um, and that might be a shift for you know, several leaders is put people first in, that, in this area, era of AI, because successful AI adoption means that we need to keep a focus on our most important assets, which is our people, helping them to feel safe. In that, yeah, as they go about their day to day jobs in that world of AI, um, taking advantage of opportunity. I mean, our research actually pointed out that some believe up to 20 hours um, can be saved in terms of some of those non productive tasks um, and those more mundane tasks. Um, and that's just the beginning. So, putting people first, making sure people are. Uh, Uh, are safe in how they use AI and also taking advantage of the opportunity of AI. That's the first thing. The second thing is about doing, you know, responsibly, responsible AI, just as we discussed earlier. Um, disruption is the norm the first step to readiness is getting everybody on board with a responsible AI framework Um, helping um, people to understand the why of AI pinpointing where it has the most potential and can gain immediate impact and the third piece um, you know as a leader is ensuring the Uh, You ground the company's use of AI in purpose and values. A clearly articulated purpose just helps to guide organisations through good times and challenging times. I've seen that myself. um, As we set Avanar's purpose up back in 2019, and having been that, you know, using that purpose then to, to lead and navigate, um, you know, the use of technologies like uh, generative AI, therefore grounding your organization in the AI journey um, and in your purpose will help you to continue to focus on doing what's right and, um, and keeping aligned with your objectives around AI.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I mean I can feel your enthusiasm not just for for AI but for your role as a, as the leader of Avenard at this time. I mean, you completely love your job, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's got I'm sure it's got lots of stresses and challenges and things like that, but it does sound and in a way the AI is, it sort of adds a, a, ho- a almost like a, a new kind of dynamism into the into the technology field. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, so um, what what have, what have I not asked you that you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, it's
1: funny because you always see my face light up when you say, "Oh, you really love your job." I do. I absolutely. I really do love my job. Um, it, it brings different challenges every day. It brings uh, you know breadth of um opportunity um Mm. and um not just for me but to create opportunity for others um you know and so and as you say uh, and one of those is ai um and i love to be inspired by you know thinking about new technology Mm. and it really does feel even though as i said to you we've been working with ai for many years
0: Mm.
1: it does feel like the era of ai is here now yeah yeah it really does feel like that and the success or failure of ai in our organization depends on whether you know Mm. we actually get the steps right you know these first critical steps right i think that's that's one of the the points that i just would like to sort of finish on there is no no one size fits all right Mm. Organizations are ready for generative AI, but others won't be. Um, Mm -hmm. They might need to evolve their infrastructure. They might need to evolve their apps, application estates, their data platforms, before they can really get the true value out of generative tools um, Mm -hmm. and put them to work on solving some of those most uh, compelling, difficult challenges that they have, which is Mm -hmm. why AI readiness is at the heart of how we're approaching the, this moment. Mm. Um, everywhere, well, everyone can get started somewhere, but yeah. that starting point, that somewhere starting point is going to mm. look different for all of us um, and that's something that yeah, we all need to accept. But absolutely, it feels like the moment is here.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I think that's a fantastic point to to conclude on. And, um, I mean, I do feel that the world kind of needs some technological transformation it also need you know if I think about things that give me hope one is nature's ability to recover when it's not being harmed you know you look at kind of what can happen in terms of rewilding getting back to the rewilding bit of work but also just the the ingenuity of human beings and uh, it's been wonderful talking to you Pam and thank you so much for coming on well
1: thank you for giving me the opportunity
0: it's wonderful to uh, catch up with you again so let's welcome today's experts to reflect on my interview with pam nancy gobel is ceo of the digital workplace group based on the us east coast nancy succeeded me as ceo in january 2023 And our other pundit is cultural anthropologist Iveta Hydekova, Associate Director at Stripe Partners, a research and strategy consultancy. Great. So great to have you both here. So Iveta, let me start with you. Overall reactions to my conversation with Pamela Maynard at Avenard.
2: Yeah, uh, very exciting to hear a leader um, like Pamela talk about AI and um, building trust throughout the company, um, supporting people and building this AI fluency um, and building the responsible AI framework. Um, I also really liked to hear that they um, are really... Conscious of putting people first and creating AI solutions that um, are kind of helping people remove the tasks that they would otherwise not uh, like to be doing and uh, help them uh, focus on the, the part of work that is more meaningful to them. Um, and i really liked uh her thoughts on ethics and the the guide rails Mm -hmm. and how important that is um and yeah she she mentioned um that the the this type of thinking around ethics and ai will probably not come from regulators so it's important Mm -hmm. to have these um ceos leaders who um who are having these conversations um at the moment. So that would be um that would be the top line, I guess.
0: Sure. No, that's that's great. And Nancy, what are your what are your top lines on listening to my chat with, with Pamela?
3: Well I have to say that it was such an insightful conversation, Paul. I took so much away. I, I literally wrote pages of notes um where <laughs> normally type my notes I, I actually decided to write them by hand because i find that i remember things for the long term and i wanted to remember the essence and the energy of this conversation and so um i i took away many points uh from things like starting with client zero um, organizations like Avenad are their own testbed they're a large complex global organization um, the importance of providing context of uh, the clarity of strategy and purpose, um, to think about the importance of um, choosing your paradigm, choosing your path. You either need to be the disruptor or be disrupted in this age of fast-moving technological advancements and lots of economic uncertainty. Um, but most importantly, people need to be at the center of your approach. And as part of that, it's important to embrace differences because those are the things that make you powerful as an organization. Um, things that we talk about with our members all the time um, have to do with um, making sure that you do your homework. Uh, the role of data and insights to inform your thinking is equally uh, powerful and critical. Uh, but also providing structure through leadership and governance, uh, because it's important to ensure that um, there's a framework uh, that allows the best to bubble up to the surface and um, a thoughtful approach to managing risk along the way. And I would add to that the importance of um, creating a test-and-learn approach to things. The more we experiment, the more we learn and refine and um, create a path forward, especially in this AI realm. Mm.
0: And I, I was struck a lot by Pam's emphasis on rails and guide rails and ethics. I mean, how easy, Nancy, do you think it is for leaders to achieve that?
3: Well, um, when I think about all of the different technology disruptions that we've gone through um, over the last 25 years, when we're in the hype cycle, it feels kind of like a, a heavy task because there's so much new information coming at us um, and and the tendency is to want to lock everything down. Um, but I, th- I think about how many organizations have come through those changes with such clarity of approach and purpose that I think once you get past the hype cycle, then you can allow for a balance of that experimentation that I was talking about, and also uh, tap the core things that we know have successfully enabled corporate governance for generations. And it comes down to that strategy and purpose. It comes down to having those uh, powerful data and insights, uh, and, and all of the other factors that uh, Pam brought to life as part of this conversation. And to have trusted partners um, that are there to guide you along the way can be a powerful way uh, to get past um, the emotional aspects of that hype cycle and really get grounded in in what's needed next.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and and Iveta, Pam's got, I think, and I hope you do too, amazing energy, clarity, it's quite unusual isn't it in a in a leader and especially when they're talking about artificial intelligence generative ai i mean what kind of value do you think that energy brings to the change she's trying to enact trying to enact
2: ah uh, yeah you're right i actually yeah I, I remember that moment when she just had this expression and she was clearly so excited about mm. her um I think um overall just that passion and uh the energy are great to see in leaders in people in in workplaces uh because they're contagious they are um I feel like they kind of make people trust the person a little bit more mm. because um if you see that the the individual is attached to 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 the mission that they're talking about, then it almost makes you feel like, okay, well, I trust that this person really takes the job and the responsibility that comes with it very seriously. Plus she mm. mentioned, um, how she was, uh, personally passionate about, um, diversity and, and inclusion. So, um, that, those are really fresh things to, to see in a leader. Um, mm. And yeah, really exciting to see somebody like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and looking at it from a, a cultural anthropology point of view, which is your, your, your own work, Iveta. I mean, where does that fit into all of these changes with AI? Cause obviously AI is going to change culture inside an organization. We're not, we're not quite sure how, um, and that makes it really quite unusual. Do you have any thoughts around the kind of culture, anthropology side of of AI? Yeah, loads of thoughts.
3: I don't <laughs> think I have
2: any answers, but, um, yeah, I've been thinking from uh, about a lot of things from just, you know, what is AI, where, what is its relationship to how humans think, especially with um the um, generative AI and neural networks that are, you know, supposed to be modeled based on how humans think. So there's that mm. element in what, how do we even think of this technology in relation to to us? And then um, there's also the question of uh, trust and um, um, fake information, which. Mm. Probably will become a huge challenge, and how how are we going to um, ensure that people that we all know how to process this information um, and how to verify information? And another thing is um, the speed of change and the speed of disruption. I feel like we, to to um, to your point, like we've had a lot of disruptions already, and this new technology is going to is already disrupting um, mm. culture. It's disrupting institutions, and we've already seen that this affects trust that people have in already existing institutions. So that will probably be a um, you know something that we'll have to deal with. Um, but I really like that uh, Pamela in that interview mentioned that you know there are a lot of different types of AI technologies. There are a lot of types of companies and we have to deal with these individually. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of um, demand for experts, for people who can efficiently kind of communicate across different disciplines and can really um, have or initiate and lead nuanced conversations. Um, without too much simplification.
0: So Nancy, Avenod have appointed their own chief AI officer. And do you think that other companies of a similar size should be doing the same thing and getting a C-suite executive responsible for AI? I think, uh, starting
3: with Avenod that it was quite astute of them to introduce the office of a chief AI officer Uh, we are establishing that we're clearly in a phase of disruption. And I think it not only inspired confidence internally within Avanade, but also with clients. And so I think other organizations need to pause and look at that as a model that has a lot of merit, especially when you take a look at the fact that Florin Rotar, who is the chief AI officer at Abenad, is someone who has approached things much like the way we're talking about Pamela in that, um, she is very purposeful, very passionate, very data driven, um, very experimental, um, and, and inspiring. And the approach that Florin has taken in just his first hundred days not only emulates that, but has provided both the organization and their clients with a strong foundation from which to build. And at a time of change, individuals like a Florin who are really change makers inside of an organization provide an all important grounding point and focus and energy that, um, will deliver. I have every confidence. And so, um, I, I think other organizations need to strongly consider appointing someone much like they would a business transformation leader when they need to rethink, uh, their organizational structure. This is a time of groundbreaking change and it's not only affecting, um, the workplace, but the workforce and clients as well on almost every level. And so, mirroring that level of clarity and focus inside of other organizations will also provide that ripple effect around client confidence, as well as their own people.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, it really strikes me, having spoken to Pam, that AI and leadership are going to be deeply connected. And I think, unlike other people, technology changes that we've seen which really haven't come from at a CEO level I would say generally speaking they've come sort of lower down the organization I think the fact that this is happening at that level and is being um, considered at that level I think is really important so it's been fantastic to have both of you on today to give us your commentary, your punditry on on my uh, conversation with Pam. And thank you so much, Yvette. Thank you so much, Nancy. It's
3: such a pleasure, Paul.
0: so here are my three seeds to plant based on today's conversation number one it's pretty obvious appoint a chief ai officer they did it at avenard you're gonna have to do it eventually so grab the bull by the horns and appoint a chief ai officer as soon as possible seed number two Set clear guide rails and ethics so people know where AI is going in your organization. This gives them the trust and the confidence that you've thought through some of the implications of AI in your organization. Seed number three, the AI first CEO has arrived. This is an exciting and transformational change in modern leadership. Please do subscribe and like right here so you get alerted to each new episode and I look forward to seeing you next time.